but for many, it is urgent. It is a high priority in their lives because they're facing persecution every day. And because we're not, we just, to be honest, we just don't know how to pray. We can't relate. We don't know what to do. And that's what I want to look at this morning and what I want to do. We'll look at three specific areas we can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. That they would endure, that they would preach, and that they would love. So open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.10. And again, thank you for reading that. We're going to be looking at two other scriptures, and you're going to be reading that together as the body of Christ. Something that our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted don't have the opportunity to do. Or at least not in a large group. Read God's word together. So, 2 Timothy 3.10, we've already read it. Apostle Paul will tell us how to endure persecution. First in verses 10 to 11, Paul says, follow my example. Now, I didn't read the first part of Timothy, but the, uh, the passage, he talks a lot about the difficulties, the hardship, the, the, the things that are coming, the persecution that's there is going to get worse. And he said, in the midst of all of that, Follow my example. I've been persecuted. You know that sometimes almost to death, Paul is saying. Follow me. Now, how is Paul an example to follow in times of persecution? He tells us he held on to God's word. He displayed a godly lifestyle. Made following Jesus his one and only aim in life. He lived a life of faith in God. He demonstrated patience in troubled times. He loved those who persecuted him. He desperately hung on to Christ when things got really bad. And he even mentioned specifically, like it was in Antioch, like, huh? Antioch, like it was in Iconium, like it was in Lystra. And he thanked God for the many times he was delivered from those persecutions. Those are some of the things that we can pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters for. That they would follow Jesus and make it their only aim. Oh, I'll, I'll get to that. They're on your sheet. Following the godly examples of others is one of the ways that we can endure persecution. And what that means is that you need to be intentional about looking for those around you who are living godly lives who are following Jesus Christ faithfully. Then you need to imitate them. How they think, what they say, how they say it, what they do, where they go, what they read. That's what Paul's saying. My life is an open book. You know about me, Timothy. Follow me. Do the things that I did. Think about the things I thought about. Thought about. Say the things that I said. And as they reflect Jesus Christ, you model their lifestyle. And by God's grace, it'll help you endure persecution. Second, in verses 12 to 13, Paul says, look, there are bad, sinful, really evil people in the world, and they're not going to like or approve of the fact that you follow Jesus Christ. Expect to be persecuted. John 1633 said, Jesus said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, 
I have overcome the world. Tribulation, persecution will come just because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So don't be surprised when it does come or at the severity of it. Jesus lovingly reminds us that though through our relationship with him, we can have peace. He, remember he said he is our peace? When we're in a relationship with him, when we're following him, when we're obedient to him, when we love him, he becomes our peace in the midst of times of tribulation and persecution. Third, verses 14 and 15, Paul says, hold on tightly to your faith. Hold on tightly to your faith. Paul was reminding Timothy of all that he had learned about Jesus. Paul knew Timothy well, and he knew that he was raised by a godly mother, Eunice, and a godly grandmother, Lois, who taught him the things of God and specifically the importance of being faithful to Jesus. But holding on to your faith also means something else. It means knowing what you believe. It means knowing what you believe. And it means knowing it well enough to discern when someone's trying to tell you something is in opposition of Scripture that you know is in opposition of God's Word. And for that, we need to be students of God's Word, taking advantage of every opportunity to learn more about what's in the Bible. John Wesley. I have a, I'm sorry, my, I just can't hear this echo in my head. I'm having continual problems with that. Maybe I should do something. Uh, it's not, you know. I have three guys. Uh, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and John Wesley. These are the guys that I go to first before I go anywhere else. Um, John Wesley once wrote this. This is a shorter version of the whole thing. He said, I want to know one thing. The way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach us the way for this very end. He came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be a man of one book. Christian, whether it's to endure persecution or just to get through another day here in America, we need to be men and women of one book. Fourth, in verses 16 and 17, Paul says that when you're a student of God's word, you'll learn to trust completely in his scriptures, particularly when persecution comes. That's why Paul spends time here showing the authority of God's word in our lives so we can trust it, so we can place our faith in it, so we can endure when persecution for our faith for our unswerving faith in it. So that when we're persecuted, God's word will equip us to persevere. So that the good work of God in Christ will still be done through us. So let's pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ that they may fully endure for the sake of Christ.
learn a little bit about how to pray for the persecuted, what their needs are, what the situation is. We'll learn that from God's Word. But if we don't do anything about it, we just nod. It really doesn't mean anything. So let's take a few moments. Take out your sheet that says, I commit to pray. And we're just going to focus on the first part, that our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted would endure the persecution, would stand up in the midst of it, would persevere. So let's just stay with that one, one section. Please, as, uh, as you're led, just pray out loud. Speak the face of God on behalf of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Gerontophobia, the fear of old people. Yeah, we got some, we have to worry about that one. And here's my personal favorite, palatophobia, fear of bald people. <laughs> and there's one that's not officially uh, classified by psychologists, but should be because it's an epidemic in the church, and that's testifyophobia. That's the fear of sharing Jesus with others. One of the strongest and most effective tools of Satan against a Christian is fear. And that's especially true for the persecuted church. The fear that their life and the lives of their loved ones can be strong. And it keeps them from sharing Jesus with the unsaved around them. But for the persecution, that fear is justified because very, very bad things happen when they continue to preach Jesus Christ to their neighbor. The apostles John and Peter knew that they faced possible death if they continued to preach about Jesus in the temple courtyard. Yet, they chose faith over fear and proclaimed Jesus to all who were listening. And folks, we need to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters that they would choose faith over fear 
faith in Jesus Christ over the fear of what man can do for them, do to them. But how do we move from faith to fear? By walking in the Spirit. That's what Paul said, or Luke said in Acts 4.8. He said, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Christian, it's the Spirit of God, the one who dwells in you, who will empower you to speak. He will remove the fear and give you boldness to preach Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead, just as he did Peter and John. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When Jesus spoke those words to his disciples, it was not only to his disciples at that time, but to all Christians in every place through all time. And it includes the persecuted. For those who are doing the persecuting desperately need to know Jesus Christ. By walking in step with and in the presence of the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he will help them choose faith over fear. He will give them words of grace and truth to say. He will give them boldness and peace when they share the good news of life in Jesus Christ with those who desperately need to hear it. Towards the middle of Acts 4, Luke says the apostles John and Peter went back to the other disciples and told them all that God had done. And you know what happened? Let me read it again. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So what can we pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted? That they stay close to God and remain sensitive to the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That when God provides an opportunity to share Christ, they place their trust in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in them. Rather than be afraid, they boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. That they'll share what God did with them and through them with their church family. That they'll praise God and cry out to him in prayer and that they wait to see what God will do.
where our hearts and our minds need to be in the midst of that fear. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we give in to the fear. And we kind of pull up under the blanket so we don't go out and we don't go down the street. And maybe we don't even share when there's a need um, financial that someone can help us with or we have a, we're waiting for a result of a test and we don't share it for prayer because we're afraid. And it, it just stops us in our tracks. Well, that's what's happening for our brothers and sisters in Christ where they know they walk outside the door no matter who they talk to just because they're known to be a Christian they could face persecution, they could face beatings and torture and loss of jobs and a lot of things. So it would take everything that God would give them to get up every morning and walk out their, deer, their door knowing that something could happen to them. So let's, let's spend a little time asking God to give them boldness, to give them that get up and get out of bed and walk out the door and, and be Jesus to the people around you, to share Christ faithfully, regardless of what might happen. Let's ask God to, again, give them such a, a sense of, of his word and the power of his word that they won't be afraid to tell other people. Let's, again, use it the second section of what they would see. Do you love ISIS? You know, the people who are executing Christians in the Middle East? Do you love the government in North Korea who's placing who are placing Christians in prison for their faith in Jesus Christ? That's perhaps the most difficult of, of everything that Jesus has commanded us to perhaps the most difficult thing that we just can't wrap our hands around. So difficult that I think that Jesus even had to be our example in that. Romans 5.10a says, For while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Folks, that's how God works. That's what Jesus came to do, to reconcile those who are enemies of God to the Father. So get this, when we love our enemies, when our persecuted brothers and sisters, when they love their enemies, when they and we display love to those who per persecute us, we are cooperating with the work of God in their lives. Think about that. That's why Jesus said in verse 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect here doesn't mean holy or pure. It means mature. It means fully grown. It means complete. So let's put this all together. The idea is that when we love our enemies, we have grown beyond our own personal feelings to see and feel what God does, a broken heart for the lost, no matter who they may be. So when we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray that they would grow in a deep and ever-deepening relationship with their Lord, we, so that they would have more and more of the mind of Christ, a mind that loves the lost even if they plan them harm. 
verses 44 to 45, Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who are in heaven. You see, love displayed through the forgiveness of our enemies, it sets us apart from the world. It's what marks us as belonging to God. And it's a reflection to the unsaved world of the kind of forgiveness and love that Jesus offers us. So we pray for our brothers and sisters by asking them for God to fulfill in them a deep love for the lost, even if the lost are those who are seeking to persecute them. By asking the Holy Spirit to fill them with a heart of forgiveness so that they'll reveal the forgiveness Jesus offers to all who are apart from him. And by asking God to assure them that by showing love to their enemies, that they truly are his beloved children.